But uh, yeah, hey, it's good to see all of you. And I think Noel's already said a little bit about uh, the eldership of which I'm privileged to be a part. My name is Sajid. For those of you who are online, I'm grateful to have you with us. It would be great to have you in the room, but right now I think we're a little short of uh, chairs. There are a couple I see in between. So it's, it's lovely to see the place full. It's lovely to see all of you there. And uh, I'm trusting that today this word encourages you, it strengthens you, it gives you a sense of uh, gratitude for what God's doing. But I'm also hoping that the word brings a sense of purpose. Are you with me? Everyone here in the room, are you good? Are you good to go? You ready? Because that worship, that thing was pumping today. I was loving that. Uh, I don't know if you know, but I keep strepsils with me. Because worship makes me lose my voice. And I couldn't afford that today. But why don't we dive right in. Father, we are grateful. Grateful for community. Grateful for family. What a beautiful picture, Lord. So many different nations that we, we come together right here. And today we are grateful for the ones you've added to us. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to add to your kingdom, to your body, as the kingdom advances, Lord. This text today, we are grateful, Lord. Thank you for your word which brings us life, which is health to our bones, Lord. I ask that you would illuminate this for us today. We surrender to you right now, Lord. Bring ourselves to a place of just quietly listening to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All that while and my tab goes off. There we go. All right. Um, welcome back. Welcome back to the series on Acts that we've been following. We've gone through quite a large chunk of it. We've been doing it in, in batches, if you know what I mean. We've not kind of gone Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Today, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, the first 18 verses of it. Now, you might feel, oh, such, that's such a large text. So here's the good news. I'm not going to read all of it, right? I am basing what I'm sharing on the text, but I'm trusting that you, like the good Berians that you are, go home, read the text, and see, well, was Sajid actually talking sense? Did he say what he said from the text, or was he making it up as he went? I promise you, I'm not doing the making up part. This is what the text says, and I'm hoping that as we unpack this, that there is something you get to carry away from it. I love the fact that of what uh, Wayne and Noel shared right, right at the top, that thing of uh, tectonic plates. God's busy working beneath the surface, and sometimes we have the privilege of seeing the effects of that out here in our lives. And if we allow him to, God is willing to rattle our cage, shake our world a little bit, and do something marvelous in and through us. And that comes from, from a place of deep revelation. And that's what Noah was sharing. This whole text, chapter 10, and that first part of chapter 11 of Acts, really points to one thing. There's a revelation at the end of it, right there in verse 18. And the whole story, the whole narrative that we're looking at today, points to that one revelation. And so... I am excited. But let me give you a little bit of context. For those of you, I'm sure some of you are familiar with the story. Some of you may not be. So here's a broad, broad overview. I love telling stories. So very often, when you're in a business meeting or when you're trying to get something achieved quickly, 
we speak in bullet points. Have you ever noticed that? We tend to speak also in bullet points. Da, 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 da. But uh, when you're with family, when you're with friends, when I have my family home, uh, we love telling stories. Well, I love telling stories. I'm not sure they enjoy listening them to uh, listening to them, but uh, they really don't have a choice because I cook, right? So <laughs> they have to listen. But here's the story so far, right? The the gospel of uh, the gospel of Jesus, the good news, has been spreading like wildfire. And the book of Acts has these little vignettes of the people, the apostles, and many, many unnamed believers who have been carrying this message, and we see this rapid expansion of the church. Now, into this, remember that until this point, until where we are landing today, this was predominantly a message to the Jews. This was a message that was carried by Jews to Jews, and today, everything's going to change. All the history of the church, and I love the fact that this book, the, the book of Acts, stands alone in Scripture as the one book that records the history. In fact, some theologians and historians say it's the first book that records the history, the first text that records the history of the early church. It's a wider, wider time in the history of the church. And today, as we look at this, I want you to see what God is busy doing here. He's busy breaking down barriers. He's busy causing that which is divided to come together under the banner of Jesus. And that's what he's busy doing. This message that was primarily to a Jewish audience is now being made available to the larger Gentile world. And as we draw from this, there are two people that I want to talk about. These two people, one a Gentile, a Roman centurion called Cornelius, sits on one side of this divide and on the other, a devout Jew, apostle, Christ follower by the name of Peter. And, God, and Cornelius, and I would encourage you, if you look at the life of Cornelius, I want, you to, I want to encourage you, do a bit of a character study. He was an amazing man. Here's a man who had actually turned his back on the whole pantheon of pagan gods that the early Romans would worship to follow and worship the God of the Hebrews. He'd set his heart to pursue the one true God. Even though at this point he has no revelation of Jesus, he has no understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he has no understanding of the gift of the Holy Spirit, and yet, much like we see in the Old Testament, much like we see even in the Gospels in the form of a Canaanite woman or another centurion who comes to Jesus, is a man full of faith, trusting in the promises of the God of Israel. And the beautiful thing about it is that I believe that this man, and many theologians say it, that he was a believer in the sense that if he died, even before he heard Peter, he would go to heaven simply because the word, the text says that God accepted him. What a beautiful picture that even though he didn't fully understand, there's a part of him deep within him, there's a work of the Spirit in him that even if he doesn't recognize it, was drawing him to God. Peter, on the other hand, already knew God, but he's sitting on this side of a cultural divide that actually alienated him from these Gentile people. He says of himself further on that he has never eaten anything 
that is common or unclean. He had dared to mosaic law the best way he knew how. He had walked with Jesus. He understood that the Messiah had arrived. But more than their differences, there were some things that made them quite similar, quite alike to each other. And these are very easy to see. First one, both knew the importance of prayer. These are both men who prayed, who were found in prayer. They both had an intimate relationship with God. And both had surrendered themselves and submitted themselves to the leading of God in their lives. It's interesting that uh, as we read this text, you'll see that their response to God was so different and so unusual. So despite the uh, differences and despite these differences that drew them apart from it, God was busy doing something. And in these similarities, you find God is moving and he's bringing these two worlds that were so far apart from each other into a collision course that's going to bring something wonderful and God glorifying out of it. He's busy orchestrating this right now. And I hope you see that when you read the scripture, you begin to see how God's genius actually unfolds in this. And this, more than any other text, um, well, that's not really strictly true to say because you see that right across scripture. But right now in this text, I love the way that God is shaping the narrative. And if we allow him to, he wants to shape the narrative of our lives. And that's actually where I'm going pointing towards. And you'll see that because I have three questions for you at the end. So please stay awake if you want to answer those questions. Right Now, what's happening right now? So here's these two people. These are the two main actors in the drama around and they revolve around the central character of Jesus and God and what he's doing. These two characters both have a vision. Remember, they were prayerful people. They waited on God and Cornelius has a vision. An angel appears to him and says to him, I want you to go or send to Joppa. Um, how far was Joppa? It's about 50 kilometers away from Caesarea where uh, Cornelius himself was located. And he says, send to Joppa. There's a man called Simon, also known as Peter, and he's staying in the house of Simon, the tanner. There's a lot of Simons in here, don't get confused, two different Simons, right? And I want you to send for him because he has something from me for you. And so that's the essence of the vision. And Cornelius, being an obedient man and trusting in God, he calls two of his servants and a devout soldier. Remember, he's a centurion. And he sends them off to Joppa to go fetch Peter. Peter's busy at this point. Peter is busy. He's up on the roof, right? A couple of days later, I guess, because that would have been quite a walk of 50 odd miles. But uh, on a day, Peter is busy. He's up on the roof. He's ready to go pray. And uh, Peter's a little bit like me. As he sets it off to pray, he realizes I'm a bit hungry. I don't know if you get distracted in prayer. If you don't, you're a better man or woman than I am because I get distracted. And I have to stay focused. But Peter, being a good Christian, right, tells the people in the home, would you prepare something to eat? I'm going up to pray. And as he's there, he too has a vision. And his vision is a little bit different because he sees this sheet coming down from heaven. And on it are different reptiles, animals, and birds, many of which to the Jews were unclean. And a voice tells him, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. 
And Peter being Peter, right? Have you not? If you know Peter at all, you know he does things in threes, right? He denied Jesus three times. Jesus had to get him to affirm his love for him three times before he was reinstated. And three times, right? When this vision comes and he's instructed by God, rise, kill, and eat. His response is, no, Lord. No, I've never had anything unclean. I don't know about you, but I've done that and I'm a little... I'm not as good as Peter. God has to tell me about six times. Okay, so don't, don't be discouraged by this. I'll tell you this. This is not actually disobedience. Because once he gets it, Peter's response to God is immediate. And remember that God is doing something here in Peter's life. We can look at that and think, oh, come on, Peter. Really? You couldn't get that a little better? Surely, God is speaking to you. But remember, his frame of reference, God has never done this before. And he's a good Jew. So it is a beautiful thing that actually, once it sets in his heart that this is what God is calling him to, because it's really unusual, right? It says that the vision perplexed him. So he had no clue. At this point, he still didn't understand what this was. Three times this happens, and then the sheet is lifted. And once that's done, his, he hears the Holy Spirit say this to him. He says, I'm sending three people to you. And the Holy Spirit assures him and says, I want you to go with them. That would have been a difficult thing because his three Gentiles coming to fetch him and he would want to have nothing to do with them. And yet, when he finishes, when that moment ends, these three men are standing at the door downstairs. He goes down, he invites them in and they stay one night with Peter. Now that in itself is already a significant change that has taken place. So let's not discard uh, Peter's you know, refusal the first three times and say you know, he was not really being obedient to God. But actually he needed clarity and he got it. And once he did, he moved. He responded to God. So the next day, having stayed with Peter, they head out to Caesarea. A few days later, I guess that's how long it took to walk. I don't know how many camel power or donkey power he had. And uh, today we think of cars in horsepower and you can get there in perhaps half an hour or 40 minutes. But for them, it may have been a couple of days. They get to Caesarea. Caesarea is, again, everything that is not great for Peter. It is a Gentile stronghold. This is a fortress town. This is, I believe, Herod's home. His playground, and it was full of all those things that a true Jew would want to stay away from. To add to that, the discomfort of having to go into the home of a Gentile. And yet, Peter does. Peter does that. And then you get that beautiful moment. And that's the moment that God is busy crafting as he brings these two worlds together and begins to unpack the revelation that the good news of Jesus, the gospel, the story of life for us, eternal life through the Son, is available not just to the Jews, but to the entire world. There is the revelation that is being unpacked. Do you see why this is such a crucial moment, a pivotal moment in the history of the church? Because my friends, if this moment didn't take place, you and I wouldn't be sitting here. If this moment didn't happen, I wouldn't be here. But it did. 
And today, you and I are accepted because of what God's doing here. So we find that as he enters the house, Cornelius, who's a little uncertain, remember, he's never had this encounter either. He doesn't know what to do with this, but he was a good man. He was a devout man. He loved God. And so he did what all good Christ followers do. He heard that there's a man of God coming to visit him because, well, an angel told him, go send for him. And this man is coming. So what does he do? He says, I'm not going to enjoy this blessing by myself. This is big. This is new. And I want others to be a part of it. So he's got his friends and his family all in the house. And as Peter walks in the door, right, he goes and he worships Peter. And Peter says, no, no, get up. I'm only a man myself. But I am here because God has asked him to be here. And so Cornelius says, well, what is it that God has for us? And you get this beautiful text that I want to read with you today. It's a bit of a long text, but it is meaningful. It is powerful. Don't, don't rush through it. And let's look at that text. It's found in Acts 10. I'm reading from verse 34. He says this, Peter opened his mouth and he said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. I could stop and preach right there just on that one line. In every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Friends, the world of God's kingdom, this beautiful, magnificent thing that God is busy building, a kingdom under his son is available to you and I today. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened. Throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. We're going to continue reading that text in a little while, but I just want to pause there for a little bit and hope that you understand the weight and meaning of that last bit of text. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone. Do you see how inclusive the gospel narrative is? Nobody is excluded from this. Everyone regardless of caste, color, creed, regardless of whether you even discount or discard yourself, whether you even think, no, that can't be for me, God says otherwise. He says, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And as he's sharing this, as he shares the gospel with Cornelius and his household, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, remember, here's a beautiful picture. Peter brought a team. 
There were others with him who came along with him. He brought a team, and they were equally amazed. They said, the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. I love the fact that there's a friendship forming here. What was once a barrier to friendship, a cultural barrier between the Jew and the Gentile, is being broken down. I love the fact that Peter responded so readily to the leading of God in this. That a Gentile who'd never experienced or met Jesus, who didn't know Jesus, would still pursue God, be hearing from God, and these two worlds come together in this beautiful God-glorifying moment that you and I today get to walk freely in. And I do love that, you know, it's in interesting. As we look at this story, you find that Peter goes back. He returns to Jerusalem, and he meets up with the other Jews, the other apostles, the other believers. And interestingly, they criticized him. They said, what is this we hear that you're eating you're being friends with, you're partaking of meals, you're, you're in the home of Gentiles. And Peter has the exciting job of telling them a story, much like the one I'm telling you now, of what God was busy doing. Because that's what was exciting. And so Peter narrates the story. And he says, this is what happened. I had this vision. This man had a vision. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. But yet, God spoke to him. This is unbelievable. And when we got there, God did something remarkable. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit fell upon them. They spoke in tongues. So clearly, God is extending his kingdom. God is receiving them. He's accepting them. Should we not? Friends, there's a lesson here for us that nobody can be marginalized. Nobody can be set aside or discarded because God receives everybody. And I don't know about you or whether you felt oh, maybe not, I don't think, you know, there's no hope for them in God. I'm like, really? Now there's hope for everyone in God. There is. Because there's the revelation that he shares. And as you read that text, as you find that it unpacks a little more of the story that uh, as Peter encounters his brethren, but it lands with this. It says, to the Gentiles also. This is the testimony of Peter to the other Jews. To the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. We're going to worship in a little while. Worship team, can I have you guys up here? Because he's a good God. He is. I want to worship because I can sit here today because of this revelation. That to the Gentiles, to me. God has made it possible to be a part of the kingdom. Friends, I look at this moment in history and I am grateful. I, you know, you can read a text like this and just go right past that moment and not even realize the import of that testimony. God has granted, even to Gentiles, even to Gentiles, repentance that leads to life. But as much as I'm grateful for it, it does raise a few questions. Is it all right if I ask you a few questions? Can I ask you a few questions? Good. You're still with me? 
Okay, three people agreed. I'm going to ask you three of those questions. Right? Here's the first one. Is God preparing you for something? Don't discard yourself. Don't discard yourself. Be prayerful. Be paying attention to God. Is He preparing you for something? God was clearly working through Cornelius, a Gentile. His nature, his devout nature, his pursuit of God and his desire to bring friends and family along ensure that not just him, but all those that he knew and loved, that the blessing of God overflowed into their lives. Why? Because God had prepared him and he became a blessing to those around him. Peter, is God shaking some of those things that you think are true? Is he breaking some of those molds off you? those little boxes that we put around ourselves that say, if God doesn't behave this way, then it can't be God. Because God, I'll tell you this, God is faithful, He's true, but He rarely acts the way I expect Him to. He's true to His nature always, but His strategy can change. Are you open to that? Is God saying something to you here? If you put God in a box, my friend, take Him out because He doesn't want to be there. He wants to do something marvelous through you if you'd only allow Him to. Second question, do you have a gospel story? I like that when Peter shares the story, the narrative of Jesus, he says, we were witnesses to this. When you share Jesus with someone else, can you truly say, I'm a witness to his goodness? I've seen his kindness. I've seen him move in my life. He did this in me. He did that through me. Can you, do you have a gospel story? Are you ready to walk through criticism from your peers like Peter did or even step into situations that are uncomfortable? Can you share the gospel of Jesus briefly and succinctly? 11, 12 verses and the whole gospel narrative. That's how Peter did it. He shares the whole gospel narrative in a few verses and the Spirit of God moves upon that and lives are transformed. Do you have a story in your heart that is overflowing, that you can tell people very easily, very quickly, this is Jesus, this is what he did. Because sometimes that's all the time we have. It's coffee with a friend, it's a brief meeting with your neighbor, and you've got two minutes to tell them the Jesus story and yours with it. Finally, is there one here among you who's never encountered this Jesus? Who's never responded to this beautiful story of a God who says, I want to take your life and I want you to, and I want to give it purpose. I want to give it meaning. Are you willing to be led by me like Peter was? Are you willing to surrender to me like Cornelius did? Because I want to use you. I want to take you and put you into my kingdom, into my family. And it's very easy, my friend. It doesn't require you to do anything other than believe. You don't need to, in a sense, take a bar of uh, soap and a sponge or a scrub and scrub yourself clean. You don't need to do that. You come as you are, and He receives you. He doesn't discard anyone. And if that's you, and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never encountered this Jesus, I can tell you, He transformed my life. Everything in my life, my backstory, 
is designed for failure. A broken family, an alcoholic father, an absentee socially, uh, social, socializing mom. Everything. At the age of 18 on the railway tracks, my conversations were with prostitutes and doing all the other stuff that goes with it. And God rescued me. And here I am. It doesn't discard anyone. What's your story, my friend? Would you allow God to break into that and transform it like he did mine? No? Do you want to come and close it out or shall we get the worship team back? Guys, would you lead us? Beautiful, thank you.